The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And have a good day, and thank you for joining us again here on Winning Ponies. We're so glad you tune in. want to remind you that uh, you want to go to winningponies.com to pull down all of your best handicapping information and up-to-date information on uh, some of the big pots that are out there, track conditions and everything. It's quite the sight. Well, uh, tonight I bring to you two gentlemen that are no stranger uh, to the sport that have served in many capacities, uh, television, radio, and print publicity and marketing. We're going to start out with my friend Jay Privman, uh, who once again uh, receives another national award. Uh, It's great to see Jay just churning the good stuff out. Uh, We've lost so many good writers from the newspapers. At least we've still got Jay in the daily racing form. Uh, He won the annual Joe Hirsch Memorial Writing Contest. Uh, his uh, race recap entitled Creator Beats Destined by a Nose in the Belmont Stakes uh, chronicled Steve Asmussen's dramatic resurgence to the top of the racing world in 2006, capped by his first Belmont Stakes win with Creator's big victory over Destin and the Test of Champions. So uh, Jay's going to be with us. Uh, we're going to talk about that award and I'm not sure that we've had him on since he won the Charles Engelhardt Award, too. Uh, he was honored there uh, down in the Keeneland area just prior to the Kentucky Derby. Our second guest will be Eric Wing. Uh, Eric served in various capacities in, in racing, has done a lot of uh, marketing and publicity and writing. Uh, he was once the editor of Reader's Digest, believe it or not, and now he's the communications director for HorseTourneys.com, which is uh, pretty much horse racing's number one destination for player-friendly qualifying contests, and you can also find out a lot about low-takeout cash games. I guess he's going to have a big day on HorseTourneys.com on Belmont Day. He'll update us on that and help us handicap some of the top races this week. Three-year-olds, uh, you know, we're the only Triple Crown race is the Belmont. That'll be next week. So a lot of horses are taking different direction. These are three-year-olds going to try the grass in the Penn Mile, a race that has quickly become a grade two in only four runnings. A lot of good horses have come out of this race. We're also going to go to Woodbine for the Connet Cup. It is a grade two going the unique seven furlongs on the turf. Uh, Eric's been doing some writing for Woodbine. Then uh, back to closer to his home, Belmont Park. We're going on the inner turf in the Penning Ridge. Again, three-year-olds, a lot of them that were nominated for the Triple Crown, are going to be trying something different on the inner turf. And if time allows, we're going to get to the Aristides down at Churchill Downs, a six-furlong dash, grade three. So happy to have those two gentlemen with us this evening. And I hope you did go to winningponies.com, pull down some easy win forms last week. Now remember, on Penn National... There are a slew of stakes races, so you're going to want to do some of those across-the-board wagers, and the easy win forms are definitely a huge help as uh, proven out by 
our results last week. There'll be pick fours, and we had a pick four at Golden Gate uh, just a few days ago for $4,198. We had a $2 pick six at Belmont that paid $3,925. Uh, also, uh, Churchill Downs, again, we'll be giving you a race from there. A $1 Super paid 2877 And don't forget, my buddy Pete Aiello down at Gulfstream Park, we gave out a $1 Super 5 box, $2,557. So you can just go uh, go to Winning Ponies, look up the racing calendar. Penn National, just a, a, an amazing card on Saturday. Again, we'll be previewing uh, stakes from, from Belmont and Woodbine. Uh, Monmouth Park has the Grade 3 Eatontown uh, on Saturday. So uh, a lot of good races to pull down your easy win forms. Now, again, you know, the, the Penn Mile is going to be the richest races carded ever in Penn National history. Uh, so, uh, you know, like I said, this one is, is moving up the ladder fast. So a big score looks like the one to beat in there. And I'll see what Eric Wing has to say about that. Well, let's take a look at uh, some of the racing news from over the past week on a national basis. Uh, across the pond, a horse by the name of Churchill. He was last year's champion, two-year-old. It looks like he's continuing his dominance on the European circuit. He had a two-and-a-half-length win in Saturday's Irish 2000 guineas, which means he had the classic double at the new market equivalent to his resume. Aiden O'Brien is the, the trainer. And finishing second, remember Thundersnow, the horse that uh, created havoc in the Preakness Stakes, ended up getting second in that uh, race, uh, of course, uh, Churchill by the uh, super sire Galileo out of a Stormcat mare has now won seven of his eight career starts, four of them group one. Remember that name if you're getting up early in the morning and watching any uh, racing from across the pond. Um, I don't know if you remember months ago we were talking with our friend Pete Aiello telling me keep an eye on this Tyler Gaffleone. Well, <laughs> no need to keep an eye on him. His name is out there. He was named Jockey of the Week last week. Uh, he uh, was the, the top jockey by wins. Uh, he decided to uh, stay uh, close to home at Gulfstream Park, picked up 35 mounts, 13 wins over five days. He also achieved a four-win day on the Memorial Day holiday card at Gulfstream, winning four of his seven mounts on the day, including two wins for Todd Pletcher. Uh, he's a third-generation jockey, Florida native. Last week, he earned over 282000 and earnings for the year, $4.5 million. Uh, the young man's ranked 10th by earnings among all North American jockeys. You may recall he's recognized as the Eclipse Award winner for Outstanding Apprentice Jockey just back in 2015. Congratulations to him. And we go from uh, a younger guy to uh, uh, a veteran of the game. Gary Boulanger is going to win the Avelino Gomez Memorial Award. Boy, this guy is tougher than a nickel steak. So many times they said uh, he would never come back. Uh, since he first got a leg up in 86, uh, the catastrophic injuries uh, that, that he's had, it's hard to believe that the 49-year-old is still up and uh, winning his races. He started out back in 87 at Tampa Bay Downs. Uh, in 2005, he had a spill that everyone said would definitely end his career, if not his life, with uh, fractured ribs, ruptured spleen, 
torn elbow, blood clots. He had brain damage that required doctors to remove part of his skull to ease the swelling. He flatlined twice during that operation and still came back. So uh, then he decided to train, went back 2009. Then he started breezing horses for Mark Cassie, of course. We heard a lot about Mark in recent days, the Canadian Hall of Famer. And all of a sudden he decided to make his way back to race ride and rode his first way race in eight years at Tampa Bay in 2013 for Cassie. Uh, you know, the uh, the Gomez Ward is given to a Canadian board rider, Canadian-based rider, or a regular rider in the country for more than five years who's made significant contributions to the sport. So congratulations uh, to uh, Gary Boulanger. Uh, you know, other guys that have won this race, uh, I didn't know they were all Canadians. Ron Turcotte, Johnny Longdon, uh, Sandy Hawley, Don Macbeth, uh, Jeff Fell, Stuart Elliott, of course, Patrick Husbands, who's still very busy. Uh, they all were uh, winners of the Gomez Award. So congratulations uh, to him. Okay, uh, Breeders' Cup are going to have a few changes because of the move to Del Mar. The Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint will be run at five furlongs this year, while the Philly and Mare Turf will be run at a mile and an eighth, the shortest distance for the race since it was added in 1999. All right, on the breeding front, how about this? Arrogate's damn bubbler is in full two tap it. I can't imagine what this uh, foal is work. Uh, according to the Clear Sky Farm is uh, controlling the horse. Uh, Bubbler goes back. She was offered, I don't know if you remember this, in 2016 in the phasing tip to November sale, was in foal to into mischief, was bought back on a final bid of $4.7 million. She's got a yearling filly by Giants Causeway and folded into mischief on March 27th. So in full to tap it, bubbling. Um, I, I missed this news last week because we just had so much of it to give out before Memorial Day. And uh, that's the fact that one of my favorite horses and sires, uh, Devil is Due, passed away at the age of 28. I mean, uh, he was a multiple grade one winner, a very good stallion that stood for a very modest price. Um, he won 11 of his 41 starts uh, and earned $3.9 million. Uh, and uh, you know some of the uh, horses that he produced amongst his uh, 673 winners were uh, Emirates Airline Dubai World Cup winner Roses in May. And he uh, also has an influence as a broodmare sire. He's had the dams of 20 stakes winners. So Devil is Due, no longer with us. All right, so many races to get to. Let's see how many we can get to because Memorial Day was a very busy weekend. All right, at Santa Anita, the Gold Cup, the winner here in impressive fashion, Cupid. He's four years old now. Last year, he kind of took the road less traveled, winning the Indiana Derby and the West Virginia Derby. Rafael Bayerano was up. He was considered the lesser half of the Baffert uh, entry. American Freedom was sent away the favorite from the Baffert barn. He kind of broke out really quick and bumped uh, at the start of the race, kind of awkward. And he just kind of weakened through the lane and finished off the board. But Cupid, he was kind of fourth early on. Bayerano had him right where he wanted to be in the cat bird seat and got the job done pulled away by three and a quarter a gray son of Tappet is going to be very very dangerous this year a uh, second was follow me krev and in the uh the third spot was hard uh shall i say hard aces um let's move on to 
another race we looked at Santa Anita. Small field, but you got to see a lot of class in the game league. Uh, this race, a grade one, $300,000, the return of Lady Eli after her near miss in the Jenny Wiley stakes, her first out in 2007. She got the job done at odds on. She kind of stalked the pace and came home, just got up by a half a length, but it was pretty impressive the way she did it. Jad Brown trains, Irad Ortiz in the saddle, the, uh, the uh, second horse was good year for Roses. Third was the pace setter, Avenge. Uh, then up at Woodbine, it was the Nassau. This was a kind of strange race. Um, we, we had to catch a glimpse in there and uh, looked like she was, you know, attending to the pace. And all of a sudden, you could see Florence Giroux looked like he was taking her out. Uh, it appears uh, that she bled and then she weakened so much she fell. Luckily, Florence Giroux and Catch a Glimpse are doing just fine. It's the first time she ever bled, according uh, to uh, Mark Cassie. And a lot of people on Twitter uh, have been showing pictures of her, resting her stall, doing well. Very, very happy for Catch a Glimpse. What a classy horse that's won close to $2 million. But uh, w- winning the race was Starship Julie. Jubilee, this is a special place in my heart because uh, this horse is by Ohio Stallion Indy Wynn, uh, owned by a friend of mine, um, Robin Murphy. And uh, so Starship Jubilee, what last to first, pulled away to win by two and a half lengths. Involuntary long shot, 37 to 1, was in the third spot. Then up at Arlington, the winner in the Arlington Classic was the favorite, Cowboy Culture, an easy winner by five lengths. At Churchill Downs, it was the winning colors. The winner in there, no surprise to anybody, Finley's Lucky Charm, prohibitive favorite, now has seven lifetime wins from nine lifetime starts, trained by Brett Calhoun. My buddy Brian Hernandez was in the saddle. And the Red Bank at Monmouth, well, that went to Irish straight, bit of a long shot, wire to wire, paid $21.40. All right, that's a look at national news, last week's races. Right now, let's get to my dual 2017 award-winning friend, Jay Privman. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. 
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me is Jay Privman, a guy that could easily big-time me if he felt like it because he is uh, a big-time, of course, been writing for the Daily Racing Forum for so long. You'll also see him making television appearances at the at the bigger races. And uh, he, he earned a rare second Joe Hirsch Award. Uh, the, it's called the Joe Hirsch Memorial Writing Contest for the story he did on uh, Creator. It was titled Creator Beats Destined by a Nose and the Belmont Stakes, uh, which was really redemption of sorts, I thought, for Steve Asmussen, uh, his uh, resurgence to the top of the racing world, uh, winning with Creator uh, in the Test of Champions, the Belmont Stakes. And it was only about two weeks before the uh, Kentucky Derby uh, that the uh, he was awarded the Charles W. Engelhardt Award for outstanding coverage of the entire thoroughbred industry, uh, a, a luncheon down in Lexington prior to uh, the, the Derby at Churchill. Uh, so uh, obviously fresh from extending his mantle in his home is Jay Privman. Jay, how are you? Good, John. How are you? I'm doing really good. Things have been, things have been going well. I'm in, in, a good, in a good zone right now. Well, uh Jay, you, you've got to, you know, I, I know you play this stuff down, but, I mean, you've got to feel awful good uh, being acknowledged by those in the industry on the outside looking in and for them acknowledging you. I mean, you've already a, a multiple winner of the Red Smith Award, a multiple winner of the David F. Woods Award, and now two-time winner of the Joe Hirsch Memorial Writing Award. And as you know, it's not like you're the only horse in the race. There's some awful good writers out there competing with you. How does it feel? Well, it's, I mean, it's just nice to get acknowledged for, you know, the, the, those two awards were completely different kinds of things. The Engelhardt Award is for you know, sort of your body of work, and it was from the Kentucky Thoroughbred Owners and Breeders and the KTA, um, so it's nice for, uh, you know, for people like that to recognize, you know, what they think is good work for, you know, the, the long time I've been doing this. And then the, the other award though was, um, for last year's Belmont stakes, which was, and it was a story written on deadline right after the race. And, you know, a lot of times you do stuff and you go back and look at it and you don't really, you're not, you, you, there's always ways you feel like well, I could have done a little better there, but it was funny after this one won, I went back and looked at it, and I was it was one of those ones where I was like you know what that's like I was happy with it because um, uh, I'm pretty self-critical and I would say most of what I do I'm not completely satisfied with, but I don't know that story just ended up sort of coming together between Ask Newson two years removed from all the stuff he went through with the unfounded PETA charges and. There was just sort of the name of the horse and the, the rain coming down right after, as soon as the race was over, and sort of just like cleansing everybody in the winner's circle. There was just yes. a lot of thematic things to write about with that um, with that race last year. But, you know, the, the bottom line is if it's not for good subject matter and cooperative people, which you find in droves and racing, there wouldn't be those kinds of stories. and. That's one of the reasons I really love covering the sport is that there's just so many 
fun and interesting things to write about. Well, unless you've ever done it, I don't know that people understand, uh, A, writing on deadline, and B, (laughs) writing an award-winning story on deadline. It's tough, because you've got to move fast. Well, one of the the things, I mean, I, I think it just goes back to the training I had back in college. I was a journalism major, and you learn to to write on deadline. And, you know, back in the day when I started out, you know, when there was a, there was a hard and fast deadline for in the evening to get a story done. It's less so now because a lot of most stuff is just goes straight up on the internet, but you still want to get it up on the internet as quick as possible because you want people to see it before they go to bed, you know? So there's, there's sort of a self-imposed deadline to just get it done as quickly as possible. And one of the things that really helps with what I do is that at a big event like that, I've got great support from people like Dave Grenning and Marty McGee and Mike Welsh, who are often doing sidebar stories and, and maybe watch the race near somebody else who I might need a quote from, and they got it, and they, they'll you know, they contribute to those stories as well. So it's not just one person writing a, a story like that. There's a lot of people that that work hard and, and contribute to to those kinds of efforts. Well, that, 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 that's great of you to, to, to share, Jay. You know, uh, quickly, remind our audience of your initial background and, and why you took the, the journalism to the racing side. Well, I was just a fan as a kid. Uh, I started watching races on TV when I was eight, nine, ten years old, living in Southern California. The feature race of the week was on local TV, and that's how I first got interested. My dad would go to the track maybe once a month with his buddies, and then I got hooked on a family vacation. We went to San Diego when I was 11 years old, and we went to SeaWorld and the zoo, and we also went to Del Mar, and I just, I just loved it. So it just started, that's where my interest in racing started, and then I was always interested in journalism and wanted to be a sports writer or a sportscaster, and got lucky when I got out of college after getting a journalism degree that the, a paper in L.A. that I was working at while in college promoted me to be the racing writer full-time, so I just kind of glided right into a really lucky spot, and it just kind of went from there. Was there anybody in particular who inspired you or that you looked up to uh, early in your career in turf riding? Well, Joe Hirsch, for sure, Um, because not only because of the respect that he had, um, and you could just see whenever you went to a big event, there would be trainers who would literally just stop in their tracks to, you know, to work with Joe and to, and to talk to him. And you could just see the respect that he commanded. But uh, Joe was also very giving of his time and counsel to young turf riders, not just me, but there, there's got to be 25 of us who, if you really showed interest in the sport, uh, and, and you wanted to do good work, he would look out for you and try and guide you and, and offer suggestions. And I think, you know, and you'd go to dinner with him, and he was very gracious and, and generous at his time that way. Uh, and so I would, you know, he would probably more than anybody initially, and then, you know, two people who are kind of contemporaries of mine, but who I always really looked up to because of the quality of the work they did, are Andy Byer and Steve Christ. Uh, both of whom are just 
really smart guys who are terrific writers and I think had their heart always in the right place in terms of what was best for the sport and for the horse player. And so I would say those would be my, that would be my trifecta, uh, Joe Hirsch, <laughs> Andy Byer, and Steve Christ. Well, uh, you, you know, w- w- the times I see you at the track, I see some guys that are running around and, you know, they, I don't know, grimacing or running one. You always seem to be in kind of some kind of zone. You, you have a slight smile on your face and you, you're in one spot. You seem to be taking it in. Again, this is this is what I, when I've seen Jay. Um, I mean, what's the best thing you like about writing and what, what is it that, that drives you uh, to do it, what you do? Well, I mean, it's funny that you say that. You see me sort of with a smile on my face because there's a lot of people who think that I'm like almost distant at, at big events because I've just got so many things on my plate in terms of what I need, who I need to see and when I need to get my work done by that I, I almost end up apologizing at the end of the week to people who I might not have been able to visit with. But it's just, you know, there's just a lot of time demands at, at, these big, at the big events, um, you know, less so on a day-to-day basis. But... You know what I enjoy is just I, I like being out there. I like I like dealing with trainers and jockeys. I like the horses. I just like the whole atmosphere. And you know each day is different in terms of what there is from a news standpoint or a feature story standpoint that needs to be done. So I, I, I never really feel like I'm doing the same thing over and over again. It's not like you're working on an assembly line. So those are those are some of the things that I think keep me motivated and, and make it interesting and, and hopefully results in, you know, in work that, that people want to read and, and keep them informed. And I, you know, the thing that I grew up as, John, is from a reporting standpoint is I just really think reporting is important, you know, I, and I think you, you can't have opinions if you don't know the facts, <laughs> if you don't know what's correct. And I, I take a lot of pride in doing accurate reporting to keep people informed, especially when it's leading up to the Derby and the, and the Triple Crown. And I, I hope people, uh, you know, respond to that. Well, I obviously do because people are watching and uh, you're going home with the hardware on more than one occasion. Hey, Jay, all the places you've been and the things you've done, uh, let me have a little fun here. Let's go old school horses and horsemen uh, and, and, and new school. Let's go old school. Let's face it. Neither of us just got out of college. Okay. What was like <laughs> your old school favorite horse? Wow. Well, from the time I was, when I was riding, I mean, I really enjoyed covering John Henry, uh, but my favorite horse really from that mid-80s, early to mid-80s era was Precisioner, um, because I just thought he was a, you know, a brilliantly talented horse who could win from six furlongs that he did in the Breeders' Cup sprint off of a four-and-a-half-month layoff to a mile and a quarter. He swept the old Stroop series that they had at Santa Anita, when you, which was at that time the Malibu at 7 eighths, and then the San Fernando at a mile and an eighth, and then the Santa Anita Handy, uh, Santa Anita, uh, or excuse me, the Stroop Stakes uh, at a mile and a quarter. Uh, and it you know, takes a really talented horse to win those three races at those three different kinds of distances. And I just really thought he was a, a brilliantly fast and interesting horse. And uh, so he, I mean, he was kind of like a, a personal favorite as opposed to like if somebody said who's the best horse you saw that that wouldn't right. be my answer but he was he was the personal favorite 
Well, yeah, that, that's what that's what I'm looking for you in this segment, Jay. Is uh, same thing. Old school, you, you're coming along. Uh, you, you, you're, you're not the multi-award-winning uh, writer that you are today. Who, who is a horseman that, that you, you like being around or writing stories about or you like his style? Well, there were, there were a few back when I first started out. I mean, Ron McEnally was very generous with his time then, and he had the best horse in the country back when I started out in John Henry. And he couldn't have been more uh, accommodating and, and helpful uh, John Gosden was still training in the United States then, and I always got on re- really well with him and thought he was one of the smartest people I've been around, just ir- irrespective of uh, uh, you know, horsemanship, just in terms of knowledge of the world. And I always just enjoyed dealing with him, and he was always very helpful. Um, you know, Charlie Whittingham uh, was really good to me. Back, you know, I got a funny story I'll tell you in a second, but I mean, he was very helpful back then. And this is, I'm just talking about people when I first started out, not necessarily sure, yeah. who I got on with later on. Um, and then another guy, the very first derby I covered was won by a guy from California who I got on really well with named Eddie Gregson. And oh, yeah. he was another person who was really instrumental in, in explaining things to me. Because I didn't come from a... My family wasn't in racing. Um, you know, they were as fans, but not any other way. So I didn't know the difference between a D bit and a ring bit and a snaffle bit and, uh-huh. and, and things, things of that nature. And it just really helped to be around trainers who, if you had a question that might be training 101, they were patient enough to explain it to you. And the thing is, if you don't ask, you're, you're not going to know. And it's just better to ask early on and know than to just go through life being ignorant about things. And, and I was lucky that I had people in my life then who were super helpful about explaining things. Well, what was um, allude to that story that you said you were going to tell? This is, this, this, is a, this is kind of a funny story. So this is in, in 1989. Sunday Silence had won the Kentucky Derby. And you might remember he ended up with a hoof problem the weekend in between the Derby and Preakness. And it was kind of touch and go. Was he going to make the, the Preakness or not? And remember now, this is in the pre-cell phone age. So it's, it's harder. It was harder to reach people then. Um, but I got a hold of Charlie at the hotel he was staying at in Baltimore, and I was still in California at the time. And my paper, the LA Daily News, did not want me to travel if Sunday Silence wasn't going to run. And I called Charlie on Sunday, six days out from the race, and he said. I think we're going to be okay, but I, I won't know till tomorrow. Call me tomorrow at this time, you know, back at the hotel. Okay, and so I did. And I call him the next day, and he answers the phone, you know, right at the time I was supposed to call him. I said, Charlie, it's Jay Privman. And all, he just stops me in mid-sentence. He says, he goes, son, get on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So I took a red eye that night, and... Uh, Five days later, he won the Preakness in a great <laughs> match with Easy Goer. Oh, that's great, man. I, I could spin yarns with you all night, but uh, my producer's not going to let me. But either way, a tip of the cap to you, not only for uh, the Charles Engelhardt Award, but uh, for the Joe Hirsch Memorial Writing Contest. Uh, Jay, uh, you, you're not only a, a great writer, you're a great personality in racing, and I think you've stamped the sport forever, my friend. Well, John, it's always good being with you, and I appreciate everything you 
have done and continue to do for the game. And even though I've won the Charles Engelhardt, I still want to win the John Engelhardt. <laughs> you won that years ago, buddy. Jay Pribman, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, from the Daily Racing Forum. Continue to follow his, his, his writings and musings. The guy is fantastic. He's a great grasp of the game, as you just heard of his stories from days gone by. Well, right now, another great guy in thoroughbred racing, my friend Eric Wing is going to be with us, and we're going to try to wing some winners to you in the handicapping segment and find out what he's doing leading up the Belmont Stakes uh, with uh, HorseTourneys.com. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the Easy Win Form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and a frequent guest on Winning Ponies, Eric Wing, is with us now. Of course, uh, he's served in many capacities over the years. As I told you earlier in the show, was once the editor of Reader's Digest, uh, one of my favorite things I used to read after having my cup of coffee in the morning, if you know what I mean. Uh, but right now, <laughs> he's the communications director for horsetourneys.com. A lot of people consider it their number one destination for qualifying contest, and uh, he finds the low-level uh, cash games. Uh, he's been in the game 17 years. I find that hard to believe. I thought he was in longer than that, but uh, you know, he's worked with the NTRA, Naira, the Racing Form, and of course, everybody likes his presence at the NTRA National Handicapping Championship in Las Vegas. Eric Wing, how are you doing, my friend? I'm great, John. How are you? Excellent. Excellent. I'm, I'm above the ground and I'm not in jail, so after that, everything's gravy. And by the way, when I was at Reader's Digest, we were proud to have the Digest be prominent bathroom reading in so many homes around the country. <laughs> nothing wrong I... with that, nothing to be ashamed of. 
I swear to God. Well, that was the perfect length of a lot of the stories. The stories were all of interest, you know, and pretty much timed out well with whatever you were doing, if you know what I mean. Yeah, each art, and that was a little slogan. You know, like the New York Times has all the news that's fit to print. Yeah. The Reader's Digest, it, each, art, each issue had roughly 30 stories in it, and the slogan was an article a day of lasting interest. And so that was, you know, 30, an article a day for each day of the month, and that was the goal. It was that each one had, you know, they weren't specialized or esoteric. They were something that everybody could enjoy and and it was a great privilege to to work there for the 13 years that they did and because i spent 13 years there that's why i only spent 17 years in racing so far oh it it, it, so i probably met you about 16 years ago out at the university of arizona program i remember uh uh, sharing a place with you at the bar and i think that's where i (laughs) first I'm telling a true story, you know, I mean, we didn't, you know, do anything wrong. It was just, you know, it was after the seminars were over and I started talking to you and uh, you might have even been hosting one of the seminars at the time. I don't know. And um, that when you told me, I said, well, what'd you do before this? And you said, well, I used to be the editor of the Reader's Digest. It just kind of made me reel back a little bit. It's like, wow, that's a, that's a switch to thoroughbred racing. Yeah. N- not the normal career path. I grant you, um, we used to joke, uh, in the uh, in the old days, I used to uh, have to hide the uh, the racing form under the New York Times, and now I <laughs> when, now when I buy a copy of the Times, I have to hide it under the racing form. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I had one in my desk drawer when I was back in the criminal justice system. You know, <laughs> so mm-hmm. I just kind of read it when it with the drawer open until somebody came in to talk about. Uh, somebody whose probation was being revoked, but yeah. I, di- I digress. Now, uh, you know, I, I know you're the communications director for HorseJourneys.com, and the Belmont's next week, but from what I understand, I mean, you're always doing contests every weekend or pointing people to the right ones, but uh, Belmont Day is going to be a big one for you, right? Yeah, John, we have, <clears throat> we have relationships with so many different tracks around the country. We send, uh, we run uh, qualifying contests for a lot of the the live on-site contests at tracks, like just this weekend, for example, we're running contests for Arlington, Hawthorne, Surfside, Del Mar, the Belmont Stakes Handicapping Challenge, um, gosh, Gold Coast and Wynn out in Las Vegas. Um, there are a few I'm forgetting. The big one at Laurel. So we do, that's our bread and butter, these um, qualifying contests to prestigious, lucrative uh, on-site tournaments throughout the country. We also mix in some cash games, and a, a week from Saturday on Belmont Stakes Day, we're going to have a $75,000 guaranteed game that will be primarily Belmont uh, Stakes Day races at Belmont, but we'll mix in a few others from around the country. The races we'll be talking about tonight, by the way, will all fig- figure prominently in this weekend's uh, tournaments at uh, at horse tourneys and horseplayers.com. But, um, yeah, we do, in, you know what, we also do a lot of um, inexpensive $8 and $12 games for people who are just starting and want to get their feet wet. We, ha- we have free contests also. So a uh, great opportunity for people to who love to handicap, to flex a, or, or exercise a slightly different muscle 
um, in tournament play. And I tell you, as somebody who played, you know, the, the, the races straight for years, um, I've never had highs like I've had from playing tournaments. It's it's a whole nother realm, and it's it, it it's a lot of fun. In addition to playing the the pools, like like we all enjoy doing. Absolutely, and that's horsetourneys.com because I know that uh, our winning ponies uh, people want to pull down their easy win forms that have helped them a lot pull down some big winners, especially with all the action you provide. And it's so good to hear that you provide it at different levels because let's, let's face it, we all got different pocketbooks and we all mm-hmm. got a different intensity level and in how much time we can really put into a day of handicapping. And it, it sounds like through uh, horsetourneys.com you can kind of uh, you know window shop and pick and choose which which way you want to go absolutely i'm looking at at tomorrow we have one for five dollars a survivor contest um we also have attorneys that are single track or or multi-track with a you know three or four races from from different tracks so it's we we do pride ourselves in having a lot of variety and within that menu i think Virtually anybody would find somebody something that that suits him or her um, from a, a stylistic and strategic standpoint, as well as a uh, budgetary standpoint. Well, that's the audience that we're playing to. Well, before we go to our first break, Eric Wing, um, let's take a look at a race that's uh, not too far from where you're at. I hope the weather's going to be okay on the East Coast. A huge day at Penn National, which will be great. So many uh, multi-race wagers you can make uh, on their card, but I had to pick the big one. It's amazing how quick that the Penn Mile has become a grade two. This is only the fifth running, but so many horses have come out of this race and go on to bigger and better things that, you know, the graded stakes committee can't ignore it. And uh, so they've moved up to a grade two. And this is interesting. We're doing at least two races today that uh, feature three-year-olds who obviously aren't going to be in the Belmont Stakes, you know, that many that were nominated. Um, and so let, let's look at the, at the Penn Mile, Eric. Um, everything I've been reading all week, uh, at the arrows kind of point um, to big score. He has a beautiful running style. Uh, Javier Castellano, who's going to ride, I believe, in five stakes races on Saturday, uh, has the mount on big score for uh, uh, Tim Yachtin. Uh He looks like to be the one with the, the target on its back. Now, it looks like he needs a little bit of pace, and he's got it in here with time to travel, uh, Sistron, and uh, Mo Maverick. What's your read on the Penn Mile? Um, well, it, it doesn't vary too much from what you just said. Big score is a horse that I... I bet on in last year's Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf, and he, he ran just an okay fifth, but gosh, his Zuma Beach last year was huge, and he's come back with two nice efforts. Um, maybe a little disappointing in the American Turf at Churchill, but that was over soft going. To me, he's very much the horse to beat. Um, <clears throat> the horse that I will take a small chance against him with is the aforementioned Sistron for John Sadler, who's not known as the, the world's greatest uh, ship-out-of-California trainer. However, he can win out of state. And this, when I look at Sistron, John, I see a horse that not only is favorably weighted, which to me does matter. Uh, he's dropping six pounds off his last race. Um, I, don't, I don't think six and a half down the hill at Santa Anita is really his best game. But to me, if you give Sistron... Firm turf and a mile, 
that's what he that's when he's in the best position to succeed and assuming the weather forecasts hold out and and the course is firm i'll take a shot that sistron can open a big enough lead that that big score will be able to run them all down except for him that, that, that that's a great analysis uh, i love it uh you know d- definitely you know not many people talk about the, the weight drop but you know six uh, pound swing and uh, uh big score is going to be picking up two pounds carrying 122 pounds uh not that that's enough weight to stop a freight train but it can make a difference in a race like this and like i said if there's uh, as long as he doesn't uh you know, get attended by too much pace because the last time he did show the ability to raid a little bit uh, in the desert code. So uh, we'll find out. I mean, I, I think you make a really good case uh, for a horse that could upset the apple cart uh, in in the Penn Mile. Well, uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break right here, and we come back. We'll see if we got a shot of uh, fitting in three races that you'll be able to uh, have some fun with on horsetourneys.com this weekend. We're talking with Eric Wing and you're listening to Winning Ponies. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. Well, most importantly, we're back with Eric Wing, the communications director for HorseTourneys.com. A great destination for action at every level for you listeners out there. Uh, you, you could just check it out. Just do that. Check it out and decide what you want to do because we got another good weekend of racing uh, leading up to the Belmont Stakes. Uh, now, Eric, I understand that uh, uh, the, the Woodbine Group has reached out and you're doing some, some writing for them. And we're going to take a look at the... Uh, uh, seven furlong Connaught Cup, if I'm saying that correct. Next, what are you doing for Woodbine? Um, well, thanks for mentioning that, John. It, it, they are great folks up there, and they were kind enough. To, they they really um, made a conscious effort to to really not just host 
four great on-site tournaments at Woodbine. The first one starts later this month. Can't believe we're in June already. Um, but they have four great tournaments, June, July, August, and September. And they're really ramping up their commitment to all things um, t- handicapping tournament-wise. Um, and, and I'm now doing a monthly column or a couple of columns each month in their program and on their website, profiling some of the great uh, and, and really outstanding tournament players out there, um, focusing a lot on some of the Canadians, but also um, did a profile of Cheryl McIntyre, last year's NHC Tour champion. Um, so many great handicappers out there. I think we all know that, but so many interesting people among them, too, and that's that's mainly what I'm trying to get at um, and what Woodbine's interested in and having a lot of fun doing it so far. And, uh, just finished one on a really interesting guy, Ali T. Aksoy, from uh, from Toronto by way of Istanbul, Uh 70-year-old guy who's brilliant and has been playing uh, contests seriously for all of two years and is really making his mark this year. Um, (laughs) Gosh, so much fun. If I I may ramble on here, John, when I was at the NTRA, when the NHC started, we really had no idea what the makeup of the... the, um, the field would be at the first NHC. We didn't know if it would be this kind of the stereotypical rail bird or, you know, or, or what. And to everyone's uh, great surprise and pleasant surprise, the group that you see at the NHC every year skews um, so towards high achievement, high education, bright people, um, and it really makes you feel good about the makeup of horse players to see them all out in Las Vegas and see what a great bunch of people they are in, in addition to, to great handicappers. I really, uh, I, it, it sounds like I'm giving a, uh, a PR speech, but I, I really do mean that. Well, you know, a uh, guy that's been a frequent guest on here was out there. I'm sure you know who he is, uh, Matt Bernier. Uh, cut his teeth on the tournament, and boy, the guy made, has made a career out of it. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Um, I, I sometimes joke with Matt that he owes his career to me because when I did a, <laughs> I did a uh, like a guide to the media the year he was there, and I I noted that he was the youngest person in the tournament, and the people who were shooting the uh, the sizzle reel or the, the kind of the pilot for horse players said, "Hey, can you get?" can you find me that guy who you said is the youngest player here? So I called, I made an announcement, asked for Matt Bernier to come to the front. He thought he was in trouble, um, <laughs> that he had done something wrong, and I just was, you know, making an introduction, basically. And uh, the rest is history, as we say. I'm still waiting for my commission check from Matt, but I'm, I'm sure it'll, it'll arrive any day now. He's a good man. He's a good man. Well, come on. You, you got the inside skinny on Woodbine, seven furlongs. I love this distance because it's so unique. I look at this race. As always, Woodbine, there's horses for a course. You've got to give them a second look. And then there's also horses um, that uh, uh, 
uh, excel at, at seven furlong. So it makes for a, a mixed bag. I mean, uh, Dimension won it last year, but seems to have fallen upon uh, hard times. He loves the distance of Woodbine, but the last three outings have, have been terrible. Um, uh, you know, Glenville Gardens is, is a horse for course. We mentioned uh, uh, Gary Boulanger in the Canadian Award. He won last time out. You're getting six to one on him. Uh, the Odds maker is saying another horse for course. Calgary Cat is the one to beat. Yeah, uh, I, I'm not a big Calgary Cat fan. I'm not sure if the distance is going to suit him. Also, not sure about take the stand the distance. I do. I do have a lot of respect for Glenville Gardens, who you mentioned, and also the horse on the rail Tower of Texas. Yes, the horse that really gets me excited about playing him though on Saturday is uh, number six Commute. Um, this is the type of horse that, I, you know, it's just a little angle of mine, but when I see it, I really, really like to play these. He's not incapable on turf. He's, he's won one of eight, in the money three of eight. He did win, I might add, his only race at the seven furlong distance on turf. But he seems to be in raging career form right now uh, based on his races on the poly track. And if, it, to my way of thinking, if that current level of form translates back to the turf where it has worked before, uh, he is better than he looks in this field. And so for me, it's, it's all commute uh, over the, the previously mentioned one Tower of Texas and seven Glenville Gardens. All right. Well, uh, let's, let's uh, take that and put it. I've already marked my program. And uh, move on to Belmont Park. Again, uh, this is the time of year where, you know, three-year-olds that had derby dreams uh, have decided they've got to go in, into another direction. Uh, we're going a mile and eighth on the inner turf with three-year-olds in the Panine Ridge. It's a grade three. And uh, in here, the horse to beat, it appears, is a Mott trainee by the name of Good Samaritan, Joel Rosario, who's been aboard for every single uh, ride. Horse has never been off the board. Uh, he, he's pegged as the favorite in here, Eric. Yeah, and he, and he should be the favorite. I, I You know, I'll, I'll certainly use him. Um, I, I, I will warn listeners, he, he does seem to be the kind of horse that, in part be, because of his deep closing style and maybe for other reasons as well, he seems to get into trouble, um, or has a penchant for trouble. So that plus the outside post would worry me a little bit with him. Um, the horse I'm going to take, uh, I'm not going to go crazy on this, but uh, and some people think you're crazy if you bet a, a, a turf horse trained by Nick Zito, but I like this four-horse Macarios. Um, I, I, I did like his, his Keeneland allowance last time, and it perhaps is interesting to know he's the only horse in the race who is not turning back. He is not only won at a mile and an eighth, unlike anybody else in this field who hadn't even run at a mile and an eighth, much less won at it. He's also won at a mile and three sixteenths. So he's the one sort of proven commodity at the distance, and I don't think he's that far behind the likes of Good Samaritan talent-wise. So to me, with one of them being eight to five and the other one being five, uh, ten to one, that makes the decision for me. I'm all about Macarios. Yeah, hard to believe Zito is, uh, has yet to win a race at, at, at Belmont. 
It'd be nice if he took this one home. Eric, got about two minutes, so I'm putting your feet to the fire. We're going to go down to Louisville, the Aristides. Uh, again, uh, this one's three-year-olds and up. And uh, the, uh, the horse I believe to beat is Limousine Liberal. Horse for course and uh, came out running last time at Churchill uh, in the grade two Churchill down stakes. Uh, and got up by a head. Corey Lannery, who loves Churchill, will be riding. So uh, he looks like the one to the beat. You zeroing him on him, or um, do you like uh, maybe Wilbo, that's trained by Chris Hartman, who won this race the last two years? Yeah, actually, um, Limousine Liberal is sort of a bet against for me, John. I do think he'll be the favorite, but he, when he hits that triple-digit plateau, he seems to react, and he, and he just hit the plateau last race so he's due to react if he runs less than his best it it throws the race wide open Uh, i'll mention two horses i think union jackson um is just capable of beating limousine liberal on the square regardless of whether uh limousine liberal is on his best game but i think union jackson the steve asmussen trainee is legit the other horse i'm going to mention at a price is the rail horse wable for Brad Cox, who's 15 to one on the line, uh, three races back in a sprint at Oakland, he ran a, a race that would win or do very close to winning in here. And last time out on Derby Day, he was caught on the wrong part of the track, going a distance two furlongs longer than he prefers. So to me, Wable is live at a price, and I'm going to use him with the three Union Jackson and hope that Limousine Liberal throws in a stinker. Well, thank you very much. That's the voice of one Eric Wing, uh, a great handicapper and a man I consider a friend. Uh, Again, he works for horsetourneys.com. Check him out. There's a lot of action there. And when you do check him out, make sure you go to winningponies.com before you do and pull down your easy win forms. They're going to help you get on top in horsetourneys.com. Eric, thanks for being with us. My pleasure, John. Always uh, always great to, to talk racing with you. All right, that was Eric Wing. Tip of the cap to my friend Jay Privman, who's just coming off the Joe Hirsch Memorial Award for writing. And I want you folks to share all the information we got tonight with your friends. Tell them the show's on podcast. And I want to thank our producer, Matt Widener, for keeping me on track. Once again, I'm John Engelhart for Winning Ponies. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.